0: Welcome to Revoicing the Future, a Women of Nam podcast. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. Just as one revoices a chord, Revoicing the Future creates a completely new perspective on the invaluable notes that make up the whole. It will uplift women's voices in the music products industry, which have earned their time to be the root of the chord. Once a month, you can catch productive and valuable conversations with women working in manufacturing, retail, the nonprofit sector, music education, touring, and overall women who inspire us. Without further ado, let's get started. What's up everyone? Welcome back to Revoicing the Future. I am your host Natalie Morrison. Thank you for tuning in as always. How's it going? How are you doing? I'm really excited for this month's episode. But before we dive into that, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. First, I just wanted to thank everyone for all the support that they have given Women of NAMM and the Revoicing the Future announcement. It has truly been really, really awesome to see everyone embrace the organization and the podcast the way that they have. And it just shows the importance and the impact that we can have on our industry. And uh, just on behalf of everyone involved, thank you. Thank you thank you. It, that's all I can say. And just stay tuned because we have some really exciting things coming down the pipeline for women of Nam, for revoicing the future. It's just a really exciting time. And we are just thrilled that you are on this journey with us. So a couple of other things, if you are attending the Nam show, which by the time this episode goes live will be approximately two months away, there are two exciting events that I wanted to draw your attention to. First and foremost, Women of Nam will be hosting a networking event on Friday, June 3rd from 6 to 7 p.m. at the rooftop pool at the Westin Hotel. That was a mouthful. Anyway, (laughs) Friday, June 3rd, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Rooftop Pool at the Westin Hotel. Come hang out with us. Come network. Come mingle. I'm going to be meeting some people for the very first time in person who have been on the podcast, which is wild to think about, but it's been a long time coming, and I'm just so excited to finally be in person with people and not network via computer screen. So... Come join, come hang, come one, come all. It's going to be a grand old time and I'm really excited. So if I'm excited, that means you should be excited. Event number two that I wanted to make you aware of is that Revoice in the Future will be hosting a live recording of the podcast at the NAMM show, specifically at the Harmon Truck. And I will have more details to share once I get them, but that's all I can tell you right now is that there is a live recording. Recording of the podcast happening at the NAM show. And the reason that I am repeating this multiple times is that I still cannot myself fathom the fact that this is actually happening. So if you want to see myself, Stephanie, and Julia live on stage interviewing some incredible women, be sure to follow Women of Nam on social media. Be sure to follow myself, Stephanie, and Julia on social media because we will be promoting this. Like This is a dream come true, and I can't even put together the words to describe how I'm feeling right now, but don't worry. I have two months to do that, so I'm just going to be living in this like surreal phase of the news and the excitement that is to come. Anyway, so be sure to stay tuned on more details with that, but go to the NAM show, and when you do go to the NAM show, come to the Women of NAM Reception, Friday, June 3rd, from 6 to 7 p.m. at the rooftop pool at the Westin. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, before I introduce our guest, it is really hard to riff on your own in an introduction. So thank you for dealing with my chaoticness. And yes, I didn't make up that word. So I am thrilled to introduce to you our guest for this month's episode. Her name is Farah Allen, and she is the CEO and founder of The Labs, which is essentially an inter- an online interactive experience Platform, And she'll talk about everything that she does. And she has a really incredible and awesome story. But she is also a Gen Next advisor. And if you aren't familiar with NAMS Gen Next program, it's fostering our college students and helping them get a career and um, entering their path into the music products industry or the music industry as a whole. It's an awesome program, and she is one of the advisors, and she's just such a cool person, and I hope you enjoy the episode just as much as I had recording it. So with that said, I hope you enjoy, sit back, relax, and um, this is your reminder to go to the Nam show so you can hang out with me. All right, talk to you later. Hi, Farah, Thank you so much for joining Revoicing the Future. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I wanted to start from the beginning, like I do with every episode. And could you please tell us about your career story to how you got to creating the labs?
1: Sure. I'd love to. Well, um, I have I've grew up in Miami, Florida, and I was a band kid and I was a jazz band kid. So, you know, great life. Anyone who's ever been in jazz band and, and marching band, you know, we have fun. Um, <laughs> they made whole movies around at one time in band camp. Um, so <laughs> it's true. We like to talk about band camp a lot. But um, I grew up playing multiple different in- instruments. Um, saxophone was my go-to. And um, I was also an artist. So painting, sculpting. I mean, I thought that's what i wanted to do but my caribbean parents who i love and adore now in life <laughs> was like refused for me to be anything other than something they were familiar with <laughs> so um i actually went against the grain and I became an architect it's like okay at least i get to draw uh, i went to florida a&m university in tallahassee and i, I joined their architectural um, program and um, had fun. Got that creative part of my, my brain. And it was time for me to, to go out in the work, workforce. And I went into construction. And that was not creative at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, what you think you're going to do is go out in the world and make these Frank Gehry monstrosities museums. And what you're doing, really doing is designing bathrooms. And <laughs> <it's bad. laughs> and so there was this part of me that was like, oh my god, I want to be creative. And you know, I left that that career. I was kind of pushed out because of the whole housing downfall thing, but I was actually so glad. I was like, give me my give me that, that, that deal so I can leave. And I went into technology and the thing about technology was I wasn't Going to be limited by by um, not knowing or knowing enough in construction. I kind of had my limit. I know how to do construction. <laughs> right. There's not much coming out of of this area that's brand new, but technology that part of it was always changing. And so I started technology, and I got really good with managing technology projects. Projects, and then. I got really good at designing software. I wasn't coding or anything, but I had this it was like drawing it was like drawing a picture <laughs> and I wanted it to do this and I wanted it to look like this and it's going to be for this type of person and I got good at that um, and I became that I became a solution architect for for different companies and even that was limiting myself I mean I would make something for Delta and here you go, you know, have fun. I'll make something for some, someone else, and here you go. And it was always that something that they wanted me to build. And I always had to be interested. <laughs> I had to be interested enough to to make it. But the reality is I, I wasn't really hitting that side of my creative brain that really gets me going and really gets me excited. So I went back to the music industry. I didn't quit or anything. I just started venturing out what, what a startup was. And I went to my husband who was in the music industry at the time. Uh, I was like, what problems are there now to, for me to solve? Like on a professional level, I know all this stuff about technology. I know how to design it and how to build it, I know how to hire for it. I mean, what can I help with? And it was, um, it was like, well, there's so many <laughs> issues, But he was managing artists and he was like, well, they're they're not doing their split sheets. And there's all these emotional reasons why they're not doing it. There's technical reasons why they don't know to do it. And maybe you can help with that. And in my world, I was fixing that kind of stuff all the time, like automations of stuff. So employees don't do it. I could do that. And my creative brain went to solving it in a way where people don't realize that they're doing it and that involved you know creating something that was magical like like what creators like to see exchanging the background making sure they can work in an environment that they appreciated and they they thought was fun and making technology work that way and on the other end we had um, technology working so that we're collecting data on who's doing what what percentage of contribution? It was so complex because <laughs> there's all these different things that you can do with it, when it like you're writing a song and who gets what and what you're gonna count. And it was just so a lot, but we did it, right? We we had a version and, and it had the disclaimer, hey, if you're if you're gonna use this, these are the rules that the algorithm that we use, this is the one you have to accept, move forward. And we later found that blockchain technology was really good with this. And it was, you know, the newest thing coming out. And um, it was it was good. It was a, a thing. It was a good thing to do. And people were happy and grateful that we did it. The, the artists, at least. <laughs> but as we got further, as I as me being me and, you know, con- being a, a connector, I got further into like the industry and got up in the, the ranks of the Spotify and the Apple's and the music labels and realized Hey, if I'm going to be afford to, to do this, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need this mass quantity of people or literally technology is so super expensive. You can't just do it and make money without startup capital without like this. Right. Big yeah. Fund. So I um, tried my darnest to, to try to, to break through it, and you know, it just at one point I had the opportunity to um, pitch and um, to, in a pitch competition, and we had like Abigail Disney's it, there and Adrian Bowen, who was her co-founder of her company, and they loved my idea, and they're like, "This needs to be for." what we're doing in film television and theater you know this is a this is something that can be really developed and um you know a few months later we actually did that you know and it was like oh my god i got abby, abby disney as a a client in a world that i had no knowledge about which was film television but i was excited for the change right and it was um it felt welcoming as well um and so as soon as we implemented like features for like, you know, video and writing scripts, not just lyrics, the COVID hit. And it was like, okay, what do we do now? What are people going to pay for? (laughs) Um, They're not, they're trying to conserve their money, you know, and, and all this, these things were changing, but our customers really like the fact that they can change their backgrounds in how they collaborate. That was that one thing. And they're like, can you make this customer facing? Can I invite a bunch of people in here? Well, no, you know, can I have <laughs> video comp? Can I like add a zoom in here? Like, no, you can't, you know, this, this thing was developing into something different that really didn't exist outside of what I was doing. If, if only I could have these, these new features. And so got to working on that got some funding right away. Ooh, funding came out of nowhere. <laughs> it was like folks get it, they got that that business much quicker. I got funding for it um immediately and the first few people on the platform customers was like Robert De Niro and and um wow, uh, Netflix and Hulu premiering movies. And it was like this amazing thing that I was sure was going to last, or if it were what exactly the product <laughs> was going to end up being. But what it was at that time was a something that you can produce content in, and buttons would appear, pages would turn automatically within in the space. You can change backgrounds. It was just super customizable um, for an online experience. Live stream to pre-recorded video. Right, you had a place that you can be super custom and make super custom. And so um, the next year, like last year, we did come to America, too, with Amazon and working with Google. And, you know, we realized, hey, this is here to stay. The world has changed. We are in an era of experiences, online experiences. People want to be entertained. (laughs) Um, they they have the new they have a word everyone knows now meta like what is that and how can I make that for my business how can I sell more how can I uh, get more engagement around what I'm doing it's like business words business reasons not just we're gonna play which is great but how can I use it for my business and so when we when we look at labs and what we do here we make it easier for you to create these bespoken words it experiences for business use, for selling, for a gallery, for concerts, launch parties. We have a um, an environment we made um, for Nikki for Nikki uh, for uh, Megan Stallion, where it's like all her brands are in one one space, and she's promoting her her stuff, and the the different brands have their avenue, and people can come and experience the artist's world, but it's on web and mobile. So (laughs) these are like really cool. Yeah. These are concepts where, Hey, it's it's about music, right? It's about what you're the main thing, but it's also about selling real estate to something that's unique. So we're selling real estate to Cash App. (laughs) You want to be a sponsor? Well, we have More than this, your logo. You have a space that's not in VR, but looks like VR within a a world that people are consistently wanting to be a part of.
0: So when you talk about, let's say, like a Netflix premiere party or whatever, is that for like people that Netflix invites to come into this world. Like it's not like me, some random consumer can like click on this link and I'll end up in this new universe that you Mm -hmm. created.
1: Yes. Yes. It was for people, Netflix invites to the, into the world. So um, we had an an event that was like a a film festival and individual um, studios presented content. So each one of them had their own little world of our movie. Netflix, our movie, Hulu, our movie. We had our own world. It has our own branding. And so that's how, you know, everyone from that who paid, purchased a ticket got to go into their world. But like Amazon, they have curated list of VIPs that they invite online to an online experience where it's cool. It has like these, has, you know, photo booths. It has like a whole party online that they've only invited a certain, but like maybe a hundred or up to like 500 people to, to premiere a a, a piece of content. So.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I also love your, your journey of, you have this passion of creativity. Like you grew up participating in music. You have this artistic side to you. You went different path that still kept that creative side to you but you kept pushing yourself further and further to tap into that creative side of your brain that you knew you wanted so i just i find that really really fascinating that you you like really never gave up on what you wanted
1: yeah thank you You know, you know, when you say it out loud, (laughs) it sounds like a phenomenal time I had, but it was a journey into myself and, (laughs) you know, a couple of spirit walks and telling the story and realizing, huh, I did come back full circle, you know, so it, it has been, um, has been a journey, but I think at the end of the day, I wanted to be fulfilled in what I was doing and the way that I was doing it in corporate America, what I was doing, I always felt slighted by not myself, not putting all of me into it. Like there's so much more I can be doing, but no one's asking me to do it because it's not my job. (laughs) Right. right, So I needed to find a, a job or a career that allowed me to think on all these these little parts of my brain.
0: I love it. And I think it's important for people also to know, it's like, all right, if you have a side of you that you feel that you're missing in your work, like don't be afraid to take that journey to find what you really want out of your career. Yeah, so
1: true.
0: So true. So it's interesting to note that your perspective as a founder and CEO operating in this creative space from a tech perspective versus like if you were a CEO of like a hundred year old family run musical instrument manufacturer is a really interesting one and fresh and new to the music products industry um, who's currently trying to embrace this evolution. And when we think of the NAMM show, like uh, visually one might think of Gibson's exhibition or now looking at software companies like avid digging in over the last decade so while the labs doesn't exclusively work with the music industry how do you see our side of the industry and adjacent industries shifting to embrace this more online experiential format
1: oh I have tons of ways Um, (laughs) (laughs) tons of ways so I do have uh, one of my board members is um very heavy into them. I won't name them because I didn't get permission. <laughs> but we, we we've talked about this. Um, you know, one experience through you can experience products online, right? There's, right. There's websites, and but you can hit more senses. Um, you know, audio, visual. Uh, moods, you can hit a lot more of those senses when you have an experience. And so let's say if you are selling um, mics, microphones, you can come in, you can create a product experience where people are coming in to, you know, kind of hearing a mic, that's a hot mic <laughs> with some noises and then pressing a button that says it's fixed because of, of, you know. The, the product and you list the product qualities and say, Hey, this is the noise that it would have made if you got something else. It's the noise. I'm making this up by the top of my head, but <laughs> you're, you're hitting, you're giving people an experience as to what you're giving them that next level. And you, you ultimately, are you making that from scratch? Like who knows how to do that? Right. You have to probably go, you know, find someone to design that for you or custom code that for you. In our platform, you upload the audio <laughs> and you put this and that, you know, you just put a click here and a click there. So it makes it accessible. Access to creating this is the difference between um, what people who have multi-billion dollars are doing. They're doing that today. They just have money and they know how to do it versus the people that don't have access who, And we even make large organizations and departments within those organizations. They're they're not, you know, supported with the marketing team. (laughs) They're kind of thrown away in some sorts. And even those folks, you know, how do you create those next things? So even having like um, online shopping experiences. So let's say like um, the home shopping channel, If anyone still watches that knows where that is anymore. Actually doing that online. That's like you you know, when we had NAM online and folks were, were doing that, that is a really broad way of selling. I mean, that's a, a great way. It's spreads. It spreads internationally when you do that. Uh and then you have, you know, um call to actions like buy now, download this coupon and five it's gonna go away in ten ten seconds, <laughs> download it now. You know, these kind of offers to to create these sales demos and these sales experiences, that is what we see our clients doing. And that was something definitely the um, music merchant industry can can do and really um, get used out of. But it has to be a strategy, right? It's not something I would not recommend. We have we have subscription in our platform. I wouldn't recommend anything one time, <laughs> right? It's like marketing. Hey, come to this, come to that, come to this. Like we see people creating a whole strategy all year round on um experience shopping, you know, uh, 360 stores. You know, let's do a piano game where we're just, you know, calculating what just making something a little bit more interesting. Hey, we're gonna do a photo booth contest and people are gonna take a, a picture with. The, uh, the product, and if they post it enough times, they get some gift, right? We're lead, we're doing lead generation at that point. So it's really about infusing these things into your day to day and making it intentional. It's another thing next to our social media. It's another thing next to how we we buy ads. This is how we market our product. This is how we're we put we're putting the the numbers as to, hey sales sold, product in stores, product online, advertising, product labs. (laughs) There's a line item next to that.
0: Amazing. So when you're conceptualizing your product, what about the in-person experience are you working to ensure that we don't lose? And what should people be keeping in mind as they make these shifts in their own working life or workplace?
1: The We should never lose the in-person experience of being able to network and communicate with each other. Um, A lot of times folks online are doing this one-sided conversation, you know, we're talking to you, but you can't talk back to us, or we're cutting off, you know, all communications after a while. I think it's, it's important to keep it open. Look at Facebook and Instagram and And like it or not, people are having conversations if you've done good content around what you've put up. Is it good? Is it is it something that needs to be improved? Is it something that they want to purchase? If it is, let me, you know, let's talk about it. So that should always be um, something that we don't lose. Um, I know you had another question. I want to make sure I didn't forget.
0: What should people be keeping in mind as they make these shifts in their own working life and workplace?
1: Yeah, I think people should keep in mind that it is um, a strategy. It's something that you have an option to do now that we didn't have prior to COVID. We have... Language and vocabulary, like experience, online experience, and we have vocab- We have everyone knowing how to do video conference systems now. Even my, my my mother, my grandmother, they all know how to do it. You have a a, a new world of opportunities because of the, the the facts that exist today when it comes to people and their acronym around being watching content online and experiencing things online. So what are you going to do with that is the question you have to keep in mind that this is an opportunity for you. Um, there's also creativity that is uh, has evolved out of this, this new attention, this new audience, this waiting and listening for something unique and different. Um, and that's willing to to kind of go with you through the journey of you finding ways to to engage them online. So I would say the best uh, of our customers are really putting things that they've thought about for years <laughs> into a digital space. They they don't have any clue as to metaverse. They don't you know they're just learning these words, but they know that they've had good times online (laughs) they've had boring times online and they're trying to capture the good time and they're trying to make that good time better so if you can find that formula if you can kind of put your your scenarios together as to what may work for your customer listen come find me because we can (laughs) um, design something that works for your business every day
0: it's amazing Let's get into this topic a little bit deeper because I know this is a passion point for you and we're in this new era with the metaverse and blockchain and NFTs as a resource to help artists retain credit and value for their work and to increase access across location and ability. So for those of us who aren't aware of the benefits of this um, for tech, can you give us like a high level as to why this is so exciting and how it could be utilized in the music industry. Yes.
1: Yeah, so it is exciting. I mean, um, I I don't know how many people out there have actually been inside of an Oculus, right? A VR experience. It's so real. It is literally like your, all your senses are being hit. I even felt, I did um, a roller coaster um, game and I felt that drop in my heart when you drop down in a coaster. (laughs) Like (laughs) I felt that and I wasn't moving. It was just the, you know, they made it so, so realistic. And I was flying and I felt like I was flying. I was like getting seasick or nauseous. And it's really cool how you can hit people on all their senses without actually leaving like your house, right? So that's one. So just imagine like... If you haven't imagined, if you haven't um, done it yet, but what music does already without you being in a VR um, platform and how you can take music and, and say, hey, I want to get people, you know, I want to heal people through, you know, with melt, melt mental illness. And I'm going to put imagery in front of that. Right. And then I'm going to put vocals and the you know, people talking behind that. And then I'm gonna you know, f- make it seem like it's wind coming in my face and splashing. And now I have a whole thing. I have a whole vibe, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and I see like even concerts. So mixing real reality with VR is really cool too, because you can just take, I've seen the um, concert apps, you take a 360 camera, put it in certain areas on the stage, and you're recording that. And then you put it in a VR and people can actually click which side of the stage they want to watch you perform. And then they can still twirl around and watch you perform in th- full audio burst in their ears. And it's just phenomenal. And then um, we see how your music actually can be licensed to go into these games and these experiences. So you have, I don't know, if you've anyone on here has been on the Tetris game, it is so cool. It's literally a music app, <laughs> but you're playing Tetris the whole time. And every every time you, you know, the song fluctuates, the the um the little puzzle pieces are glowing and they're like lasting <laughs> and fireworks everywhere. So you can just imagine this the senses are just hit because your eyes are in this darkness, and this, that's all you see. So it's so cool for for you to to do that. And then even um, in some of the community apps, there's conversations going on. There's people in there. You're able to talk to them. You're able to 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 listen with them. Have conversations about art, art, music, and anything you want to. So it's another place to shop and network yourself um, within these worlds. So it is. Um, It's a big, it's a big change, but it's so interesting um, to figure out where your lane could be. It's kind of the same thing as, you know, this new, this new world era we're in, it's Wild, Wild West. What can you do in here? Because everything hasn't been done yet. It's so new. So yeah, I'm excited about all the stuff that's, that's going on right now.
0: It's like the opportunities are endless. You can make what you want out of it which is really interesting.
1: That's true. You can.
0: So we're going to move a little bit away from the metaverse and the labs a little bit. Um, you are a NAMM Generation Next advisor. So could you talk to us a little bit about if people don't already know what Gen Next is and what
1: is your role as an advisor? What I've been able to to do is advocate for um college students and them finding careers them knowing how the world is outside of school and how you know how are they supported what are the support systems once they graduate how do they get internships how do we how do we as uh, students um act within the workforce uh what are some alternatives to um, the the degree you've received in uh, music education, look at me. You know, I've. <laughs> how do you use your skill sets to do other things if if that's what you want to do? How do we put, How do we use our skill sets to, um, you know, do what we we really want to do at the end of the day? So, um, that's what it's. You know, that's what I've enjoyed. I love talking to to students and getting them reality check. It's kind of fun. So- <laughs> It's cruel fun, but they're happy for it because I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out on my own. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. And it takes up time and it costs you years. So I just enjoy kind of, you know, the speed at which they are able to to go when they do have the knowledge. And it's a wonderful program. Everyone that all the mentors that you know that I've met, they're really passionate about you know, making sure that they have the knowledge for them to succeed. So great program.
0: It's amazing. Why you briefly touched on this, but why was it important to you to get involved in this program? Was it based
1: on like your
0: experience when you first started out?
1: I had such a hard time getting information <laughs> and I don't want I, if I can help, I don't want people to go through that. I would want them to go further than me at a much younger age, if given just some key soft skills (laughs) that we, you know, tend not to talk about, you know, as we're in, in school. And so I just, you know, I, my heart goes out to them and I want them to do well. And that's just a passion of mine. Entrepreneurs, students, you know, folks that are really willing and looking for this education so that they, because they have a dream, they have a goal, and they have a passion, they're just stuck with lack of knowledge as to how to get it. That's like my, that's my soft spot.
0: I love it. I try when I talk to, like, I'm actually talking to um, my college students tomorrow on an alumni panel. And I'm very vocal about the fact that it's hard after graduation and they do not tell you how hard it actually is. I'm not trying to scare them, but like I'm trying to give them the reality that I didn't receive. So I think it's important.
1: I think like I didn't learn how to network until I was well in my adult stage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to, you know, it was very awkward for me to just start conversations and, and that weren't with my friends, right. And just with strangers and, and didn't understand the value of, you know, getting to know folks and, and um, speaking up and talking and, you know, kind of saying what's on my mind. That was not something that I um, thought was such a groundbreaking, important thing. Like I'm just shy, I'm just me. So you either like me or you don't like me. And that's still true. But if you want to get to um a goal, and say if you have a goal and you need to to get somewhere, you you really have to kind of learn these soft skills in order for you to, to reach there. And so, you know, when you're young and you know, it's like, I'm just me, man, you know, I'm just trying to be me, uh, I don't care about the the man I don't know if people still talk about am so old, so the man is trying to get me, you know, I think that's different beyond my age, <laughs> <laughs> but man, man, you're trying to get me, and I'm like, no, the man's not trying to get you. I'm just gonna tell you how the world works and how you can show yourself in the world, but you gotta know how it works in order for you to show up in it. So, let's let's start there. How yeah. does the world work?
0: So, so you've worked obviously with artists and you're also in the software and technology space. So, I'm curious, what's your experience been as a woman and also a woman of color? Are there unique aspects to having these identities in the in the business that you work in that you didn't experience in other industries and what have you found that's universal.
1: Oh, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going deep. We're going All deep. Right. Let's go. All right. <laughs> well, you know, there is a reason why we're out here fighting for for, you know, as women, as minorities and there's, it's a reason, you know, and I grew up in a very diverse uh, place, Miami, Florida. We had a little bit of everybody from all over the world that lives there. And, um, you know, I did not understand um, racism the way other folks understood it. Like, I it would be hard for me to, to catch it because <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't used to it. Um, And when I started to kind of out of the comfort zone of a corporate job that I got, you know, I was in there. I was in construction, like I dealt with stuff, but it was still, I was in the comfort zone of a place, an employer that's telling me what to do. And though I might've missed out on opportunities for whatever reason, which probably, cause I was probably going to be the only person <laughs> in the company to ever have done it. Um, I still, it was never, um, just in your face and until I became an entrepreneur and I had to ask for things that I had to, had the courage to ask for things like really big sums of money, really big partnerships. And when it was a part of me that was growing into the role, didn't know how I was going to be received, especially in the music industry. And when I went into rooms, uh, especially the big rooms. they I was their only one. A lot of times I was the only woman or one of five or I was the only person of color. And I'm sitting there and like, should I say anything? <laughs> that was me a lot of times. Like, should I say anything? And I was like, well, you can't miss me I am here. Right. I don't want anyone to think I work here. So I better show up like the boss I am, or I'm going to be mistaken for the secretary. I don't want that. Yes. So I have to show up and talk. And I had to like take all of my, my energy and, you know, push my shyness aside and say what I had to say. I had actually thoughts and ideas and a company I've built. And this company had, was doing something important and I needed to say it. And I would make it my point to speak up in those rooms. And so I did experience, you know, folks kind of dismissing me. (laughs) It was never, a, it was never abrupt. They weren't like, cursing me out or calling me names it was more like just lack of opportunity lack of folks talking to me or just underestimating me uh, I remember one time I was you know it wasn't particularly a in music industry but it was like this investment group uh, you know stereotypical white guys and investment group and they said asked me if my husband was helping me and <laughs> I was like No, why would he? It was confused. Like, he's not a part of this. Like, what are you talking about? And then I have, um, you know, um, one of my investors, he's a very popular um, uh, CEO of a company, very, very large company. And so they're like, so what is his role in here? Well, he's my investor. So he's not working here. Like, he's not co-founder. No. Well, could he be? Well, are you going to give me this money or not? Like, oh That's the guy to invest. Like, you want him to like? Do you not? Do you do, don't lack of trust. So it's always like this. Um, I have to prove myself before I I speak. So you know, some some of the things that you kind of do is like, hey, I went to school. I went to college. <laughs> you know, I had a career and I built stuff and you know, kind of listing off your resume and um, you know. I, you you tend to have to overcompensate for, for things because you have to kind of do a little bit more than, than your counterparts. So I had to get Google, (laughs) I had to get Amazon to get where I am. I had to, you know, do all these really big things really early because I already knew that if I did it, it was going to be a very slow walk and maybe a walk that I won't be able to take very long because no one's funding women and black women, we have like the least amount, like 0.005% of what's out there in BC world. And so, um, you know, always having to kind of be aware of it, but don't let it sink me (laughs) down. And, um, the way you don't let it sink you down is to avoid people who are not progressive, and if you and you can hear it in her tone, you can always hear it. Kind of hear how the questions they're asking you; they're trying to figure out if you're, if you're the secretary or not. But no, seriously, there is people out there that have have brought me in, whether it's good or bad, and I know that they have. They're looking at me as like this is a person versus a woman or a black woman, and those are the people that have you know really stood by me. And they're of all complexions and colors, and and male, female, and told me no, and, you know, just totally like dismissed ideas. But I know they're not this. It's like a, a way you know that hey, this is nothing to do with my gender or, or race. It's really just they just don't like it. It's it's a difference in an attitude.
0: Right, totally. Do you have any advice for like? future entrepreneurs that you give out when trying to tackle
1: these big moves? Yes, I would say find allies and, and mentors that are. Um, so if you're an entrepreneur, find other entrepreneurs to hang out with, ones that are a couple of steps ahead of you. They'll give you the best advice, not ones that's just exited and has a billion dollars and <laughs> just raised 30 million. They're good to keep on, on, the, on the back burner, but they're not going to understand what you're going through <laughs> right at this moment. And so I would say that's great advice. Um, join a community. Join the community that you're trying to, you know, be a part of. If you're a part of music, be a part of it. Go to Nam. go to all the music stuff, get to know folks because the industry is really small when you look at it. Someone I met in Barcelona, Barcelona Music Week, I see up here at Nam, right? And we didn't coordinate this, this just happened. And that's because we're always around our the people, the community. And when you're doing that, then people know you, they trust working with you, They trust recommending you, you're you're still here. Great. You know? <laughs> so that's that is um, that is a really, really beneficial thing. Um, start now. It's not never too late. But you, you do have to know the community and the people in it and the leaders in it. Um, yeah, I would say take mental breaks mentally, your entrepreneurship is hard. It's hard on your mind. There's a lot of things that you would not do as a regular nine to five person that you have to do as a uh, entrepreneur. You have to hear no a lot. Rejection is, I wouldn't say your friend, but it is something that's never not a thing for you. (laughs) My son every day. And mentally that can get down if you're not prepared, if you don't Take breaks if you don't find um, someone, um, uh, someone to talk to, you know, have regular counseling sessions like that is real. So, uh, and you will give up. So, that's top of my head advice.
0: Amazing. So, to wrap things up, I would love to just end on a fun little note. So, when you're not rocking the business world, what do you love to spend your time doing?
1: Well, I have two kids and a husband. <laughs> so I love hanging out with them. I'm a big kid. I'll go to Disney World or <laughs> if there's like a fair in town, we're riding all the rides, we're going to the zoo. I love like little kid stuff. I mean, that's that's my, my spot. So that's what I'm doing, hanging out with my family. We're going to Panama City next week. Ooh, that's Spend very exciting. On the beach. Yes, it is. I can't wait. Farah, thank
0: you so much for joining me today. I loved thank our you. conversation and I'm really excited to see how technology influences our industry. And I thank you for your wisdom and your knowledge and sharing your story.
1: It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Revoicing the Future. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major streaming platforms or visit our website. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Women of Nam. This episode was co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie LeBond, and Julia Olson. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry one interval at a time. See you next time.